Oh, hey there. Welcome to Space Bras. This is, of course, the science fiction movie podcast for all you bad bitch feminists out in podcast radio land. I'm Mary, (laughs) and with me is my favorite ginger cat mom, Kate. How you doing, girl? Hey. I cannot help but notice that this is your second film choice in a row that features a very cool lady (laughs) who owns a very cool ginger cat. You know, you're you're not wrong. You um, have a type. <laughs> I do. You I do have a type. Hot queerish women with uh, ginger cats. Um, let's get together and introduce our cats to each other. Which honestly, I've done before uh, with a friend to. Oh yeah, like cat, like cat playdates. Yeah, I did not go as well as we hoped. Not because my cat wasn't perfect. He's an angel. But he just, like, sat there kind of staring at these at these two, like, kittens who were, like, siblings. And so, therefore, we thought it would be very comfortable. And they were like, who's this weird guy who's just, like, looking at us? And he's like, I'm not, I'm nonplussed. None of this phases me at he's all. Like- I am fine. I- of course, when they left, he, like, basically, like, he got as close to climbing up on my lap as he's ever done. Just he's like, like, that was scary. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I'm so glad that's over. I was very brave, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why all the ladies want to date me, because uh, I talk about my cat a lot. So, Are you single? Looking to mingle? Do you have an orange cat? Hit me up. Anyway. Do you um, have an orange cat? It's actually better if you don't, because my cat's kind of afraid of cats, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I liked real brave. Could you could you find yourself loving my orange cat? Great, 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 great. Um well welcome to our second Netflix original series watch. Uh this is part two of our Russian doll two part special. Um which means we get to discuss episodes four through eight but the series as a whole. Um if you haven't watched it or haven't seen it all, maybe you want to watch it. First, if you haven't listened to part one, maybe you want to do that as well. I don't know. I don't care. You should live your best life. Whatever you want to do. Guys, maybe the world you should is just listen to Oyster. Maybe you should just listen to this episode and never watch Russian Doll nor our first part and just watch the world burn. <laughs> just some people just want to watch the world burn oh, by listening okay. to only part two episodes of podcasts. <laughs> you chaos monkey. Wow. <laughs> um, Mary, what's your first impression of the ending of it all oh i love the satisfying ending. i yeah, love the ending too. i feel like a lot we actually of, i feel like a lot of people had like well well or my at least my impression of how people felt about this show going in was exactly the opposite of what i felt i felt like they were like oh yeah like the end is good and it's like really interesting throughout but then the or like the beginning is good and it's really interesting throughout but then the end like i just it's just like what happened and i disagree entirely <laughs> I disagree entirely too. I had been told that by one person, and that was enough for you to be like, "What? Anyone thinks that?" Because like the ending ends exactly the way I would want it to end. Well, the ending like makes a lot of narrative sense. I mean, I, I don't even think like this is no shame on anybody in the world. Like it's fine, but like no, I, no, no, of course. There were so many articles that were like, "What's the end of Russian Doll about?" And like they get into like some deeper, deeper, nuanced stuff that I read after I watched the series, but. I feel like I almost want there to be thought pieces that are like, what's the beginning of Russian Doll? <laughs> yes! That would be way more useful for me, actually. I agree. Yeah. It's actually funny. I um, I got my mom to watch it because I knew we were going to do this episode. And, and, um, and this is when we first decided to do the episode months yeah, ago, sure, sure. right? And I had read some thought pieces about the end. And my mom was texting me about it. And I mentioned to her, and she's like, do people really write about this? Like, do people need to know? I'm like, 
I mean, I'm reading. I do a podcast. You're like, oh, well, we're going to like record multiple hours of a podcast about it. So, God, I hope so. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, part two of Russian Doll. Uh, it, we're going to be covering the whole series, which means that it goes from just being a story about Nadia dying and coming back over and over again to Nadia not being the only person. It's her and Alan. And they are trying to work together to figure out why they're coming back and how to break out of the cycle. After a lot of tests and running up different scenarios, our, uh, our two heroes find themselves in alternate timelines where the other person is the same from their original timeline. I'm just getting confusing here. But anyway, bottom line is Alan and Nadia. Coming back together again. Alan and Nadia going on adventures. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about who who Alan is, because our first part was all about Nadia, because Alan was, like, literally only in it for, like, the last 10 seconds. But um, what I love about Alan is he's played by Charlie Barnett. And, Mary, when you and I were watching it, you pointed out that, like, you were kind of worried about who would possibly hold up next to Natasha Leone because mm-hmm. she like just like chews up everything that she's in um and I feel like with Alan they found like a perfect like inverse to her someone who gives off a totally different energy but such a strong and compelling energy as well I will watching that Charlie Barnett does yeah I agree. I mean unless unless he's like decides he wants to make like the passion of the Christ or something. I mean, like, you know, this is not a legally binding contract time making wild proclamations. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I thought he was fantastic. I had never seen him in anything before that at least I'm aware of. He was a new face to me. I was very worried because Natasha Leone is such a um, powerhouse. And I feel like generally she's in the best friend role. So I've always kind of wondered if she's been pigeonholed into being a supportive character because people were a little afraid of her power. And we're afraid that she would just like, there's just nobody as charismatic as she is. And I think he is. He He just is is different. It's just very different. I think that was the strength of him. Yeah. They they couldn't put another person like her up there because it would be weird. Yeah. Like, it'd just be like watching two, two, like, two powerhouses, like, duke it out. Yeah. It would not have been as fun. No, 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 no. This is, this is, they're compelling to watch. In fact... There are many, there are many yeah. moments in the in the subsequent episodes after uh, starting episode four where they keep on parting ways, um, and it's frustrating for me because I'm like, nope, just want to watch you all together. Please come back. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about how we first meet Alan. So like, we keep on meeting Nadia. Like the first time we ever see her is in this bathroom with the water running, staring at a mirror, and then she turns off the water. And we first meet Alan in the bathroom as well. Um, but he, we meet him on like his 10th his iteration of the timeline. And we find out very quickly that he's OCD. And as someone who's OCD, he almost relishes in this repetition because it means he can have perfect control over everything. Like he knows exactly the moment to strike the bug with his newspaper. He knows how to unpack his suitcase that had been meticulously packed and when to cue the affirmations and what to say when he goes over to his girlfriend's house where she's about to break up with him um in order to feel like he's controlling the situation and all of that changes when he meets nadia because she's a tour de force and ultimately like ends up tearing his life apart but it's not like his life was that great to begin with we find out like that in the first iteration the first timeline when she's with mike in um a gas station trying to buy condoms uh she sees him for a moment they had this moment in time where like 
if she hadn't been distracted by Mike and these Wall Street bros, she would have helped this guy who was clearly super fucked up, who just like broke something in this gas station. And if he had not been so fucked up, he could have kept Nadia from getting hit by a car that first time. Um, and that's this thing that ties them together. But Alan's fascinating because we see we see him change so much in the way that his life is changed by just having someone else there. What are what are your thoughts about Alan and and how he and Nadia are tied together and how they change each other's lives? I know that's a lot. Yeah. Whew. All right. Yes, I will start with just him. Um. So cool. I like that they have very different approaches to, and that's like the first thing you notice is like she is all about trying out wild stuff. Like she she'll try something and she won't. Like if she like when she's like keeps falling down the stairs and dying, she's like, I'm gonna take a fire escape now. And mm-hmm. then once she finds like a path that does work, she kind of sticks with it. Like there's kind of that ongoing gag of her taking the fire escape. But like she wanders around in this world. Like she doesn't have like a little a little set path that she takes nope. every day. Like like she goes and visits Horace and then she's like, Oh, I don't want him to die, so I will do this thing. Like she's she's trying to trying it out. She's like tapping her perimeter like a um like a uh velociraptors okay. yeah she's having the room like a velociraptor like you know they talk about that so she's trying to figure <laughs> out the, like the, the the border of her world he's not worried about that what he thinks he has to do is he has to perfect his day to break out of the cycle so every day he gets up and he tries to like smack the fly so it dies because that's the right thing to do and then wait at the door and let the guy in because that's the right thing to do and then go over and have the perfect breakup such that if he like spills his drink because he's upset that's that ruins it so like he might as well die because now it's all over mm-hmm. like he is trying to like perfect a very narrow little path whereas she is trying to like cast wide nets and be like well how big is this world yeah and i think that that's a good indicator of how they live their life their life their respective lives like he is all about like optimization he comes off as kind of like a little bit too upright and a little bit too mechanical and like he's he's trying to be the best him he can be listening to affirmations every morning and things like that um yeah and i think i think we see just that like with her where she's like too chaotic she's too gotta get up gotta get out and like two all over the place, he his little narrow path is also not good for him. Like he likes it. It's a it's way too rigid. It's a safety. Yeah, but it's no, it's holding him back. Yeah, it's 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 safety and habit. But he's not growing at yeah, all. Yeah, he's, he's not. not able to grow at all. Like like he lets himself go through this torturous breakup every time, just so that he can like try to like make her feel like a little bit bad about like the fact that she's like hurting him or whatever but like every time this like goes the same it's not until he meets Nadia and he's a little bit off of his game knowing that there's someone else that he kind of like slips up and finds out that she was cheating on him and Mm -hmm. suddenly like you know his whole reality like bends a little bit because he she's a variable she's a variable he hadn't have had to had he did not need to account for before and you're right like he by being like OCD, OCD, by being like so stuck on a pattern, like he finds like calm and like almost pleasure in this, um, in this structure and this uh, entrapment that he's in. Yeah. Um, and really, and she challenges that and pushes him out. Yeah. Of it. In really simplistic terms, I think that he has to learn to trust himself in an environment that is unstable. 
that like he yeah. that he will be able to react and do the right thing. He doesn't have to have practice speeches. He doesn't have to know what the next thing that's going to come out of someone's mouth will be. He's able to like kind of cut loose and like live in the moment and, and, and grow and thrive. And she yeah, he gets a lot more comfortable with ambiguity. Yeah. So he has to like trust himself and she has to learn how to trust other people. And that's like how they like lock into each other. Like she she absolutely trusts herself to be able to react. She never doesn't have something like she's never at a loss for words. She can always react. But that's also like a little like she has too much of that. Like she has this like big wall and armor up against anybody getting through such that she could be at a loss for words and it would be okay, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think that that's like just interesting from a narrative perspective. It's, it's smart. It's yeah. smart storytelling. It's fascinating when they first uh, meet again after the elevator and they're trying to like work out why they're the two people who keep on coming back. Why do you think this is happening to us? I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's purgatorial punishment for being a bad person. What is this bad person? I mean, you know, there's Hitler, and then there's uh, everybody else. I, even Wiley Coyote is just, yeah, he's out there. He's looking for a hot meal. He's caught in this idea that they're being um, punished for something that they did. And I love that she's like, that's both narcissistic and, like, limited. Yeah, because it was morally simplistic and narcissistic. I mean, the universe is moral, but it shares your views on morality. Like, both the world has a morality, and it's exact same morality as you, and it cares the most about, like, your interactions. But in the same way, like, the central mystery, like, it is related just to the two of them, you know? Like, it is, like, a mystery about them. It's not, like, some larger thing happening in the universe. It's, it's, it, they are the central node of this bug in the system, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting chemistry. Oh, I like that too. Um, and I say interesting chemistry because it's not like ooh hot and sexy or something. It's just like the way that they feed off each other is um, fun to watch mm-hmm. because of how different they are. There's like this still like mutual um, interest and kind of need that exists. But it's funny because Alan like tells her that you know like it's about morality, and he meets John and is like, well, maybe it's because you were in John's life. She keeps on, like, going back to John, and John sucks. In part one, we didn't talk about it, but he says, like, we might be the best either one of us can do is this offer for why they should be together, which is such a shitty thing for anyone to say to anyone else about why they should be together, because there's millions of people on this planet, you know what I mean? Like, come on, guy. Like, there are other things we can do. But um, she gets stuck in that because she has enough self-loathing and enough, like, desire to do good that she's like, oh, maybe it is this. It's interesting because, like, even though I think that's misguided on his part, Alan's part, it causes her to, like, be trying to fix things in a way that when we first meet Nadia, that's not that's not her MO. In fact, when they play a video game that she designed, um, and he's like, it's impossible to play. It's like the developer never played it at all. And she's like, no, I played it. Um, there's this smoking one with red hair who, like, every time you meet her, you just die. Like, there's no way to get past it. Um, yes, I liked the symbolism. Did not care for how that game looked. I was like, "Come on!" Oh no, of course. I was like, "Come on!" There are so of many course. animators in the world. You can't make something that looks like. Come on, just. Uh, I think that game was also supposed to have been released like 15 years before, or maybe um, even more. Yeah, you know? I think what threw me about it, she was like, she was like, "Yeah," he's like, "Of course I played it." And she's like, "Yeah, you and like every other man ever." And I was like, "Well, if that's the case, it should look." 
it should look higher fidelity. <laughs> like it's a very popular. Yeah. Like, it should look at. It's a cartoon. It should at least look like like uh like Max Payne or like Grand Theft Auto. Like it should be like that because that would be the time. Right. Frame. No, no, this is much more joystick stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, it, it reminded me of like what I would have played on the Apple II. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So what do you? So the central thing is that. If one of them dies, the other one dies. That's how. That's why they're connected to each other, right? Yeah, they're literally linked in their deaths. Every time one of them has died, the other one has died as well. And it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't even fucking matter um, what situation they're in. Like he can die randomly because of like an asthma attack, and she can do the same. Like, but like he'll die from jumping off the building the very first time and she dies from being hit by a car in the exact same moment Mm -hmm. it just happens at the exact same time every time yeah so maybe that's why the universe tied them together these two lives taken like seems prematurely um at the same moment in time that had also crossed paths before you know that makes enough uh, enough sense to me as a central as an answer to the central mystery. I, and I think it's pretty explicit. I like, agree. that's absolutely why they're tied together. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You could have. Yeah, and they talk about You could it. have other enriching theories, I'm sure. But, like, that seems. Sure. Because you know. she's also dealing with, like, other traumas and he's dealing with his own stuff, you know. But but that that is the thing that ties them together. So they both died in the same moment and they had both interacted before. And if they'd been able to save each other, then everything would have been different. Which is why that last episode is so satisfying mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Because suddenly they are able to, like, survive. They're able to fix things, so to speak. And then they find out that they're in different timelines. That um, they're each trying to save a version of themselves that doesn't know the other person. Um, so they have to use the fact that they've learned much about themselves and, and, and each other. And the fact that they care about each other. You know, like, they have to... They have to leverage that in order to um, in order to actually save each other. Mm-hmm. What do you? So I actually kind of liked that their relationship was more nebulous as to what it was. So obviously they're friends. Yeah. They're yeah. probably more than friends. Um, yeah, I mean they at least they at least have had sex. Oh, I don't even mean that. Like they're kind of like they're kind of like there's kind of like a sponsor co sponsor relationship there. Like. Yeah, this is is the kid the universe has tasked with babysitting. Yeah, there's also, I think, a little, like, AA there as well. Like, maybe there's a, like, like you lean on me. Like, partners, there's kind of, like, a a little bit of, like, a... I think that there's a partnership, for sure. Yeah. At least up at, like, and that's reaffirmed, I feel like, at the very end. This idea when she's talking to Alan right after, like, she's prevented him from jumping off the roof, and he's like... So if I don't jump, I'll be happy. And she's like, no, yeah. <laughs> I can't promise you that. But you won't be alone. Yeah. I actually, um, I kind of commended it. Like, I, I really liked the friendship in Maniac, but I actually liked this relationship better. Even better. Because I felt like it trusted us to land in a really nebulous space and that not bother us. Where it's like, oh, 100%. Where it's like, what are they to each other? I mean, they're not just friends, but they're also not They're not just lovers. friends. They're like... But they're not, yeah, but they're also not like... Star cross the the relationship I would describe it the most as is she's like Han Solo and he's Luke Skywalker except they boned once like like <laughs> yeah. they're like tied the universe has tied them together in a way that means that most other relation ways of defining their relationship just don't really cut it well and I think that there's genuine love there but um yeah 
but I like that we don't spend a lot of time worrying about like I like that it's not a romantic comedy, you know? No, but I I also like that it's it also accepts the fact that like if you were in a endless loop and there was one other person that was looping with you, you'd probably have sex with that person. Yeah. Like that seems very realistic to me. It's not like it's not sanitized. And I and I like that they're not like, well, then will people think that this is just about love? Ah! No, because it's not about that's like not what the story is about. So I like that the narrative trusted itself to go there and then not have that derail us entirely. I like that. I thought that was like that was gutsy storytelling. And I like it. Do I in my mind hope that they like live a life together? That's great. Yes. Does it need to involve them having sex? No. In fact, I don't really care either way. Yeah, you know, they, they like, might. They might be in love might. with each other. That's okay. Like they might be in romantic love with each other. That'd be okay. But like, but it honestly doesn't matter. I'm just glad that they have each other. Yeah. Because life is, you know, short and weird and sometimes lonely. And two people finding each other and saving each other is magic. And that's what they do. Yes. Also, we don't really get to. Say, I mean, I guess we. Um, Alan is friends with with the bodega guy. Ferran. Ferran. Yeah, so that's like his friend. That's really the only friend we know about. Mm-hmm. We see more of her social life, and I'm like, man, eh, ain't great. So she needs a friend like Alan. Like, but no, abs- absolutely. Like, Maxie and Lizzie clearly love her and care about her, and she loves and cares about them. But, like, they also don't know her the way that Alan knows her. No. Like, nobody knows she her. She lets down way. all... Yeah. No one. No one knows her that way, because... By being stuck in this existential loop with him, she lets him in in ways that, like, like she's a- he's able to convince her when she doesn't remember him and he knows her to come down from um, the apartment because he knows the exact dollar amount down to the cents of what was in her college fund that her mother drained. Mm-hmm. How would anyone know that? Because that's just not information she talks about with anyone. So... Yeah, it's really, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's hard that it took this moment in time, this like universe uh, bending event for them to find someone to let know them and let change them. But, but that's also what's like special about the story. It's not like Groundhog Day where it's just one dude trying to like figure out his life. It's two people helping each other. Like there's this moment when, She's really upset because he's like, I think I figured out what we need to do. Like, everybody's disappearing, and I need to go make things right uh, with Beatrice, his girlfriend or whatever, and you need to make things right yourself. And she's like, fuck you. No. Stay with me. Fuck you. That might be the last thing you ever say to me. Seriously. This time we might die and not come back. Maybe I'll kill myself just to fuck you over. Well, that's what I did, and look where it got us. <laughs> you are the most selfish person I have ever met. Thank you for changing my life. Lives are hard to change. I know. And it's just like, it's so, it's such a lovely moment. It's just, it's wonderful. And. And there are moments where she wants to push him away entirely. Like when that's he what, goes uh, underneath her bed and pulls out photos and yeah. then she dies and it's like, I don't want to do this alone. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's powerful. And those, and those moments you're like, Nadia, don't be a wang. Come on. Oh my God. Right? No, of course. Because that's her damage. We're seeing her flaws yeah. 
on full display because her flaws are wanting to just push away anyone who would get too close, you know? Um, yeah, that made her a total dick. But also, uh, I don't think it ultimately surprised him because he knows her. So, before I go down this path, can we agree that his main problem is that he is mentally ill and her main problem is that she is emotionally dam- damaged from her abusive childhood? Yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah. Like, I, I was saying he suffers from OCD, and I, I wasn't just saying that. Like, he has yeah. he has some real mental illness, and he and he faces it on really hard in that moment with Beatrice when he talks about, like, his yeah. fears of being a failure. For years, I've just been... I've just been hollow. <laughs> you know, I, I thought if I... If I if I worked hard enough, if I if I kept putting the time in, and if I kept my head down, you know, did everything right, I, this aching, gnawing feeling of being an absolute failure would just it would just go away. I know. And now I'm stuck with a body that is broken, and in a world that is that is literally falling apart, and a mind that a mind that wants to kill me. You got help, right? I did. I, I let somebody help me. Yeah, like that's that's like what they have to face. Just like putting a name on it. Um, yeah. And I think that it's sort of like the cycles. Like this is where the cycles make sense to me. I'm like, oh, it is kind of about addiction, but it's also just kind of about like when you're unhealthy and yeah, trauma and maintenance. Yeah, kind of. yeah, or like just like giving in to the things in your life that are unhealthy. Like he's giving in to the things in his life that are unhealthy. He's yeah, in this he's relationship. fully writing his OCD. Yeah. Um, and so, like, these endless cycles and, like, little deaths that you experience every time. Um, I, the the thing I think is the funniest about addiction, and potentially you could, I guess, translate to OCD in terms of, like, cleaning and obsessive hand-washing, things like that, is that both of those groups of people spend a lot of time in the bathroom. Like, yep. if you're always sneaking off to do drugs so that people don't know about it, you're spending a lot of time in the bathroom. If you're constantly washing your hands, you're also spending a lot of time in the bathroom. So I like that they no, both you're right. start in the bathroom all the time. Yeah. Um, And I like, I, I think it's a very optimistic message, ultimately, which is sort I of agree. like... You know, every day you're going to wake up and it might you might have another little death. You might fail. But like the next day you have to try again. Like there's no there's no amount of deaths. There's no amount of failure that doesn't mean you don't try the next day. Like you have to try every day to break out of the cycle and like fix what is wrong and rejoin rejoin the march forward in life. And I think that's like a very optimistic, nice message, especially in a film that could be about that I think deals heavily in addiction. I feel like addiction stories generally kind of focus in on on the most dire solution. And it's like, uh, 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 that's why you don't do drugs. But this is more like, so you're doing drugs and you want to (laughs) stop. Yeah, (laughs) like, like, that's okay. You just have to keep trying. But I also like that they're like, You know, your failure does not come without cost. Every time you don't maintain your mental illness or every time you succumb to your addiction, people are going to leave your life. People are going to disappear. Your shit's going to go away. Your life is going to be disrupted. It's not these are not zero cost choices that you make. And I think that's why their world is constantly depleting every time they die. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very smart read, oh, and I think okay. that's totally true. 
Oh, you're welcome. I think you're pretty brilliant. So I, you know, come with the podcast I, I eat a lot of fish, so I've got all those, those like <laughs> omega threes. Just <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the fish memories. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Omega threes helping me helping. I do some Sudoku's occasionally. Um, mm. I exercise oh, my brain. Look at you! Look at you doing your brain work and shit. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, I liked that it was a really hopeful message. Like, I think that the end message is like, none of us can get through this alone. Find a buddy. Understand that your buddy will not be on the same path as you. I think that's why their timeline split at the end. Like, I don't yeah. I don't think it's like the universe being like, ha ha, we got you now. I think it's just sort of like you and your buddy might not progress at the same speed. And that you need to be okay with. You have to like still yeah. be there for your buddy if they. You still got to help them. Yes. Um, and remember what's important. Keep keep your eye on the prize um, and keep trying, even if it gets scary, even if like a sad little girl with blood coming out of her mouth keeps like coming up to you because one day you're going to make it like you don't lose anything for trying. Yeah. You trying's know? all you can do. It's like that speech Roots gives her at the end. Listen to me. You were this tiny seed buried in darkness, fighting your way to the light. You wanted to live. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. Do you still have that in you? Nadia, I look at you now, chasing down death at every corner, and, sweetheart, where is that gorgeous piece of you pushing to be a part of this world oh ruth where is that spark of life where is that girl trying to survive i love ruth even though i think i love ruth even though i think ruth should have like come in way sooner and been like hey we're not gonna have watermelon around the house like this anymore yeah well it's hard to know what that relationship was I can't tell if she... At first, I was like, wait, is that, like, her grandmother? No, it's not. No, she's is too young. Is that a family friend? Is that a lover? I, like, who was that? I kind of wonder if Ruth was her therapist, and then it was more like... Then Ruth became kind of like the mom's ward, and then yeah. Ruth had to chuck the mom out because she had to save Nadia. That was, like, what yeah. I... That was, like, where I landed with them. She kind of talks about her in a clinical way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. The watermelons. Um, that watermelon scene is dark. Yeah, that's, yes, all of it. Everything, all of those scenes with her mother are very dark and hard to watch. That moment where um, she's telling Alan about, uh, Ruth is telling Alan about the broken glass and it being in her hair. And, and Nadia's like, it wasn't that bad. I was there. And she was like, I was there too. It was that bad. Yeah. Like, just because your brain, like, is trying to protect you from it and repress some stuff doesn't mean you didn't go through some dark-ass shit, you know? Yeah. So, in the very end, uh, you know, we have them go through that separate timeline. We have them having to, like, you know, fix and take care of your friend who isn't uh, evolving at the rate you are. And then it seems as though they recircle into the same timeline. That's your read of it, right? That they, yes. like... And if yes. being able to achieve crossing back over, that's the whole point of those bars disappearing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you see, like, it's sort of, you see, like, multiples of her and, like, the, ref- the like, like sort of, like, fractured identities, like, passing. First of all, 
they find a horse, um, the the man living in the park at the very end, and it's it's like they both do, and they're both like part of this like kind of like wild fun like parade with masks and like these like torches and stuff, and they're like walking through the streets, and you see the two of you see like identical Nadia's because you see like her wild, crazy, curly red hair. And then Mm -hmm. they're passing and they're passing and they're passing. And then the two kind of collide together and you realize they're, they're back in the same timeline. I think that's Mm -hmm. my read. Yeah. That was my read too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I loved. That's exactly how I wanted it to end with them. Like being able to find a way back to each other. Yeah. Cause I'm a goddamn sap and yeah, I love that. I love them coming back together. I love that being their end. Did it land for you? Yes. Did it work? Yes, I think so. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that it might be, like, a little bit, like, too simple or whatever to, like, be like, no, and then they found it and they, like, solved their problems and they're back together. But, like, no, I I think it's well-deserved. I mean, I think... I think so, too. I think you can kind of have your cake and eat it, too. I think you can be, like, your buddies are going to sometimes let you down, but they're still your buddies. You still got to care for them. It makes a lot of sense to me because, like, in real life, I think... We're not, people, people can be one day, one way, one day and one day the next. Like we're not constant. So, so it's okay if your buddy like slips, like I read that as like, they both kind of gave into their, their different forms of despair and, and comfort and like an unhealthy comfort for like, for like a week or a day or something. And, but they're, they're still there. Like the person, the person that they are still like Nadia's child version of herself is like she's still inside you like i think that's what that means like the people that the people the best version of yourself the version of yourself that is on a forward trajectory is always inside of you no matter how many times you fail so it does make sense that they come together at the end i think yeah um i agree although i feel like so i read a lot about the the she's still inside you everyone basically reads it the way i just described it where it's like the little girl I also kind of think it's her saying your mom is still inside you and that's okay. That's how I read it. Yeah. I always read it as because she says she's still inside you. Are you ready to let her die? Yes. Um, yes. And, and I, I, think I think that think that is both. her talking about like, I think it's both her mom and also like her as a child. Like, yeah. are you ready to like, let this version of yourself go? Are you ready to like, are you ready to let go of this pain and trauma so you can move forward and actually survive? Like this, like holding on to that pain is clearly hurting her, is clearly holding her back. And by, by moving forward, by, um, by making the choice to like, let it end. Um, she's also making her choice to survive, to find that spark of life, you know? Mm -hmm. That's my reading of that. Yeah, but. I like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's all. I think it's all. All of the above. Like, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's intentionally ambiguous because. Um, because it works on multiple levels. Because there Be- are multiple pieces. Well, and also it could also work with the attaching Ruth's statement where she's like, "What happened to that little girl who wanted to live?" So it could also be like. The little girl's still inside of you. Are you ready to let her die? Because you're, because you, you know, you can't, you can't let go of stuff. Let her live. Mm-hmm. She wants to yeah. live. So I think it yeah. like, it has like a, there's a double meaning in that. I think there's like a lot of meanings there. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that the narrative forces you to choose one. I think it can be multi, multifaceted. I feel like that's one of the reasons why this feels like a little bit like 
more loose and less meaty than say like maniac because like mm-hmm. maniac is like there's clearly a message and a story they're trying to tell there's this definitive is, like, clearly, truth yes yeah this is an art that is much more comfortable with ambiguity and with you projecting your meaning on it in fact they they even said like i'm not interested in coming forward and telling you like what this means we're interested in you like projecting your meaning on it that's the kind of art we tried to make and i think that they succeeded in that for sure it's very mature in that way i think yeah like i I agree they're allowing the viewer to have an opinion that is valid and i feel like that is a dying art (laughs) like we want like we really want there to be things or like we want like there to be a mystery but that we want there to be like a definitive answer at the end so that we can be like the cleverest boys and like figure it out what happened like be like oh that's the mystery but like that's not how most fine literature is or fine artwork is you know it's sort of like there is no definitive truth you look at it and you decide what it means um which is cool yeah i agree i agree so let's talk about uh the feminism of it all yeah um now that we've watched it all was this show feminist is it important and uh would we recommend it Yes. And Johnston, I know you got some, some thoughts. I don't know why I'm calling spicy, you that, by the way. Spicy, spicy, spicy takes. Um, yeah, give, give, give me your spices and I'll give you my most tepid. <laughs> my most tepid. <laughs> so, I feel like when we watch when we watch the shows for this and, and movies and pieces of media for this podcast, the first thing uh-huh. I do is I'm like, does this deal with human rights and equality? And I don't necessarily think this does. And that's okay. Like, that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not feminist. That just means, like, that's, like, my first starting point. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if it really deals with that. Like, it does. It touches on things and here and there. But that's not, I don't sure. think, core to the identity of the story is not about, like, your rights as a human being. Apart from potentially, like, life is hard and you need other people. But that's, like, not, I don't know. So that's, and that's okay. Um, so then I go to, I was like, well, all right, definitely has strong female characters. In general, that is not enough for me to be like, it's definitively feminist. It is feminist. It's exciting. But I'm like, it's Amy Poehler. And like, it's all, it's like, I want more. Like, give me more. You know, I know they've got it, you know? So I think ultimately what is the the strongest thing for me as a feminist, like as a feminist piece of media is that if you, that that strength feminine strength and like being a person that can live in the world can can crush your ability to be a whole person and it's encouraging us to look inside and think about think about our internal pain and admit that we are fragile beings and that does not diminish us as tough independent people and that's great that's a great yeah, message. I think that, yeah, I definitely think it promotes vulnerability and sharing with others. Yeah. And the kind of community that you have to build around that. Um, you can't have... We kind of talked about this a little bit uh, in Captain Marvel, but like you can't have like close, powerful friendships like we would like to wish on all of you because we have found it in each other without vulnerability and sharing and um, a willingness to, uh, to show all the ways in which you aren't as strong as you want to be, you know? And I don't mean to put anybody on blast, but I will say (laughs) that when I was struggling, especially early on 
with in like episodes one and three with this, I was like, is this feminist? I don't know if it's feminist yet. So I started reading articles that were not like spoiler filled, but were like, this is a feminist piece. And basically what I arrived at is they were like, it's a feminist piece because of Natasha Leone and Amy Poehler and they're feminists. And this is feminist because they are cool. And here we are. And I was like, that is not good. <laughs> like what you're yeah it's not enough what what like that is like to just to me i read these articles i'm like these people have not watched the show because there is like there is meat on that bone so like talk about it and it, it kind of it frustrated me because to me i am proud of the work that you and i do on this show because i feel like we interrogate and we dig in even when it's not easy to do it'd been very easy for us to come onto the show and be like it's feminist it's amy poehler and that's how and they're cool yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been 100 so easy and we're not gonna do that like we're not we are we're going to we're gonna look at this you and i both have a background in fine literature we're not gonna do that because it's not it's i am telling it's not enough it is not enough just for like no. feminists like if that were the case, everything that Lena Dunham does would be feminist because she believes herself to be a feminist, <laughs> right? And yeah, I I one thousand percent agree, and I one thousand percent agree. And I feel like just like reading so many like ham fisted articles about this made me be like, what we are made me really proud of what we're doing, and made me like be like, we're gonna push it even more because it's important. It's important. Yeah. Because feminist feminist reads of stuff cannot be lazy. <laughs> because they're like yeah. even people, even people who love us, even people who mean well will question why we're doing this. And I'm sure our listeners have had experiences like this too. Will question like, is this really so necessary? And the answer is yes, it is necessary. Yes, we are going to come at this with rigor. And yes, it is your job, the people who who ask us why this is important, to prove to me that it is not important because I'm already doing the work. Hell fucking yeah, girl. I am here for that. Thank you. Yes. So if nothing Burns else... the prosecution. Anyway. Yeah. If nothing else, this is important because... It introduced like this whole like like I was like I was like this is just a weird feminist house of cards and it's not even like the media piece is and good but like is good but like all the media around it is just like fluffy like no get into it get in yeah right. I mean, interrogate it talk about it um, if my job were writing I'm, listicles I probably wouldn't have time to watch TV either but like come on <laughs> come on. That is some shade you just threw. <laughs> oh my god, I loved it. I mean, it's right. Like I, I do, I do empathize with the fact that people just have sure. to like, be like constant. Some people have machines. shitty jobs, and yeah, 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 like it's hard. But like, don't. <sighs> yeah, don't don't try and tell me that that you know, the emperor has clothing because a bunch of women said they had clothing. You know, um, yeah, I need more or of like, that. Or like, like, yeah, do the work, like be able to be like, I like this and it's not feminist. And that's okay. Like do the full bad feminist Roxanne Gay thing. It's okay. Yeah. But like, but no, I what do you're think doing. that this is more feminist than it's not. But, yes, no, no, no. Um, that's, this is feminist. I agree with you. I agree. But yeah. like, I think the way it was posed in, in as, articles. As you get de facto feminism just because of who's involved. Yeah. Like, or just like, well, it yeah. obviously is feminist. As of people, people that like, we like no. can't create like problematic shit when we know for Which a fact. Obviously. It's not enough, guys. Yeah. Gotta do more. Gotta make yep. powerful, empowering shit. 
Yep. Um, tell new stories about women and strong women at that. Uh, yep. God bless Ruth. Am I right? God, Am I right? God, God bless Ruth. Absolutely. Cool. I'm so glad we talked about this. And thank Me you too. for taking the time. Mary Johnston, love my life, and uh, listeners across the podcast world, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, next time on Space Bros, we'll be talking about Kong Skull Island because we're in July for Big Animal Month. Woohoo! Woo! We're special. Which- we're getting away from science fiction. We're going to do things about big animal disaster movies. I'm super excited. Yeah, but let's all be real. How do big animals appear? It's There's got to be some science there somewhere. Let's talk about biology and evolution. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make us good on that road, but we get it. You're big like, animals! You're like, all, all magic is science and all science is magic. <laughs> yeah. As always, thank you for listening to Space Bras. Uh, you can find us on any old place you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, other ones. I don't know. Wherever you go, we're there. I'm, we're just all over the place. We're all over the place. Like a flash, <laughs> like a shadow. Um, like a loud, loud shadow. Um, I don't know. I'm very basic. I have... I'm an Apple person, so I use the podcasting app, and I listen to it on Spotify if I'm on the go. So if that's your bag, do it. If it's not your bag... Do your own thing. It's great. I love you. I support you. No matter how you listen to us, there is probably a way for you to subscribe. There might be a way for you to rate. And there even might be a way for you to leave us a review. And if you would do one or all three of those things, we would love that. Um, you can also just visit us on our yes, please. regular old website at RageousMechanisms.com slash space dash to see our show notes and check meet out our us. other. Yeah, look at us. Um, <laughs> I was going to say meet us. It's maybe not the right phrase. See us. <laughs> we have we have a constant going webcam. No, we do not do that. That's not, do not do that. that's not what's going on. That will never happen. That's not. That probably will never happen. Um, the world would have to change very significantly for that to happen. Uh, yeah, I guess never say never. Never say never. <laughs> you can also find other podcasts from the Outrageous Mechanisms and Network, which are pretty, pretty cool. All of which currently have, have me. Mary Johnston yeah. as a co-host. This so. lady. Get all the Mary in your life. Woo-hoo! That's right. That's right. Um, and also, you can uh, always find us on... Uh, Twitter or Instagram and maybe start a little dialogue. Maybe choose a little DMs. Do do whatever you do. We would love that. Yeah. That'd be very fun. Definitely us. rate us because it's helpful, guys. It yes. Really the is. most important thing you possibly could do is to have an Apple product that you can leave us a review in the Apple store. Or just download or just iTunes. Or just you download know, it's, iTunes. It's fine. Five stars. <laughs> and now join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Outrageous.